everybody, David Chuddick here. Before we get started, I want to make sure that you check out our website, www.weeklywealthpodcast.com. That's www.weeklywealthpodcast.com. Also, make sure to email me, david at parallelfinancial.com. That's david at parallelfinancial.com to set up your 30-minute consultation where we can talk about what it's like for you to work with our firm and with me as a financial advisor. We're looking forward to today's episode with Casey Ferrer. Uh, check out her website, www.numbersnerdconsulting, or also her Facebook group, Debt Free Family. So go to Facebook, check, uh, search for Debt Free Family. We hope you enjoy this episode. This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with certified financial planner David Chuddick where we discuss the wealth building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast, where we talk about the mindsets, the tactics, and the strategies to help you to build and maintain wealth. My name is David Chuddick, and I'm a certified financial planner with Parallel Financial. And what that means is I help individuals and business owners to make the wise choices with their money that they need to make for the reasons that are important to them. And today we're talking mostly to the business owners, and we're going to talk about cash flow. We're going to talk about some bookkeeping. We're going to talk about a lot of those things that we all probably don't like doing, and we, and we neglect and don't do it until there's problems later on. So uh, we're really happy to have uh, Cassie Ferrer on with us today. And uh, hey, Cassie, how are you doing today? Hi, David. Thank you so much for having me. Great. Well, tell us, you know, a little bit about yourself, how you got started in your business before we kind of, you know, get to the heart of uh, uh, num numbers nerd consulting. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for for inviting me. I'm Cassie Fowere. Uh, I'm a money coach, CFO for hire. Before starting my consulting firm, I worked for two major banks as a VP. Um, and during the time as a VP, I've analyzed thousands of companies from small businesses multi-billion corporation serving as the commercial leader underwriting leader and so during the time working for the two major banks i've witnessed a lot of fatal errors that businesses make and it's really sad david because small businesses don't necessarily have the resources you know they don't have the resources to hire uh, an actual cfo or even a qualified accountant so they you know, they are really good at what they do. They are passionate with what they do, but they don't really know the numbers of things. And I end up seeing them, you know, either making all those cash flow fatal mistakes, ending up having to close the door, or, you know, not even making enough to support their personal lifestyle. So I decided to step down from my corporate job and uh, started my consulting firm and really making a direct impact on these small businesses. Well, that's great to hear. And I'm an entrepreneur myself. I'm a business owner and I'm actually, I actually don't have the excuses. I know a lot about this stuff, but it's still hard to do for yourself. I mean, it's hard to serve clients all day and then look at your own cash flow. It's hard to um, you know, do all the things that a business owner needs to do, hire and fire and advertise and, and promote podcasts and everything. And then also uh, look at business budgets and everything else. So one of my core beliefs that we all need to hire 
and pay for, and I'm sure you don't work for free, but we all need to hire and pay for experts who can help us or else we are just, uh, you know, I can't know it all. Um, I, I just can't uh, know uh, with everything that has to be done with the business. I think a lot of business owners, let's look at maybe construction. So there may be some guy that just likes fixing stuff or building stuff. So, Hey, you start building stuff and then, and then, um, th then it, then it starts to grow. And then it's like, well, wow, I have to have business insurance. I don't know anything about business insurance. And then, wow, I have to file a business tax return. I didn't, I don't even know where my money went and, and I have to get a business license. And there's so much to know in running a business that um, hiring someone like yourself uh, as a virtual CFO, it could be a great, great, great option. So tell me, like you, you said, you've analyzed thousands of, of financial statements. What are some of the biggest mistakes that, and let's just talk about like Main Street USA businesses. We're not talking about a business with, you know, 5,000 employees. We're talking Main Street businesses. What are some of the biggest mistakes that, that those uh, guys and gals make? Yeah, so you, you hit it over the head, David, about not hiring people to look over your book. So one of the firm that I've looked at, they were performing very well. They were growing every year, but yet they were showing losses on, on their profit and loss. And looking through their financials, um, we actually discovered that they have been embezzled for years by their accountants. So they, they just they had no idea. So because working with them, Looking at their financials, they, they, they came to the bank for a line of credit. We ended up letting them know, hey, your financials kind of look odd. And so they discovered that. So one, one of the key things that I always educate my client is you don't need to know everything about your book. You don't need to know, but you need to know enough to know what's going on with your money. And so when I help my client, I don't just you know, look over their book, but I also point out some of the stuff that they should be looking at the trending and doesn't make sense. Um, and I do try to make it fun. But one major mistake that I see it over and over again is the businesses are trying to grow too fast. And this one is really hard for people to understand because when, when they see more client, more revenue, then they, you know, they tend to ask like, what do you mean, Cassie? Don't you want me to grow? I'm more client now. Um, I'm more revenue. And the thing is, they haven't grown at a pace and they haven't retained enough earnings. Because when you grow, you all of a sudden you need more software, you need to hire more people. And if you know, you might have to expand your facility and you 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 have to upgrade some of your system. So if you have not yet retained some of those cash, cash flow, and it's going, you're going to blow yourself out of cash. And people really have a hard time understanding that. Is there a general rule how much cash a business should have in the bank, whether it's, you know, a percentage of annual revenue? How, how should I know how much cash I should have? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. And it really depends. You know, it depends on how do you have any major clients? Do you only have one major client? If your major client walked away today, would it mean that you have to shut down the door? Yeah, so that's, if, that's a good if, one. Mm -hmm. If you have very high concentration with your clientele and, and, and how likely that your clients might be impacted with current events like COVID. And if they are highly impacted, you do want to have at least, you know, three to five months of reserve for your operating expenses. So enough to keep the business running for a while until you can generate another client. Now, if you only have one or two clients and it's going to take you a really long time to get another one, then you might need a whole year of expenses. So it really depends on your personal situation. And of course, 
is business your sole source of income as well? If business, you know, is sole source of income, then you better have a lot of reserve, right? Versus, you know, if you actually have a nine to five and your business is your side gig, you have additional resources to pull to cover that. So all that really needs to be taken into consideration. But the best thing you can do is to save money ahead of time. Like put some of the portion of the profit during the good day and just reserve that. Yeah, they say the fat has to fry the lean, right? Um, but, and I think that's why by working with someone like you is so important because, you know, let's say you're the business owner and, and you just had a rough day. You maybe had to discipline, uh, work on coaching an employee. And, and, you know, we all get yelled at by clients every once in a while. And now you're at the end of the day and, 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 and the operating account is big. So what do you do? You write yourself a bonus check or do you save it or how much of it should be used for what? And um, without looking at, at income projections for different seasonal type businesses, you know, you could spend all that extra money and then really wish that you had it, you know, when you need it, or uh, you could kind of get your blessing to say, you know what, profits are good, our, our reserves are where they need to be, give yourself a bonus and go enjoy it, uh, take a trip with your family or do whatever it is that's important. But I think having that second opinion by the unbiased eyes is just so, so, um, so important for sure. Now, 2020 and COVID. I think a lot of small businesses were decimated, but a lot of small businesses also, they had basically the same revenue as they normally do, and they got PPP money. So, you know, COVID, it was just such an odd thing in that in a lot of the population, you know, physically, it didn't hurt people. And then, then, or it killed people. Um, but for instance, my wife has antibodies. So at some point she had the virus and she don't even know when. And then our business we did fine last year. There's, uh, you know, but, but a lot of businesses still got the PPP money. So that gives extra cash in, in the accounts so have you run into that? And how have you advised clients generically just, you know, with the PPP money? Yeah. So first of all, the general advice is make sure that you're qualified for forgiveness. It's not free money until you qualify for forgiveness. Um, and PPP is really an, an extra money to help businesses that, that are hurting. Of course, there are a lot of businesses that are still getting the money when, like you said, the revenue stays the same. In fact, the second drop actually is, is about to end. It might get extended, but the qualification for the second draw is supposed to demonstrate at least 25% drop. Well, and I'm glad about that because we can't just keep printing money and, and the businesses that God bless them did not have a decrease. I'm all for generosity, but we just can't give money to businesses. Exactly. That- now, yes. last year, you didn't know like what would happen. It was such a, such an unknown that, um, but now, you know, things are a little bit, so I'm glad that there are qualifications this time. And I would say if you do get extra money, like anytime you get extra money is to plan ahead and business planning is so crucial is figuring out what that initiative is, where is your business trying to go? And if your, your current strategy with your finance is really in line with that strategy, and this would really help you plan out how much you should be spending, where you should be spending. Um, what is that initiative? What is that? What are some of the things that can drive more revenue? So I would say anytime you're trying to spend money on your business is to figure out if it's in line with the business value and if it is in line with the business initiative. So if your initiative is trying to expand your online presence, like are you spending money on online presence or is that are you spending money on something that you really shouldn't need or maybe feeding your own ego. I find 
I have things that I quote need pop up when there's a little bit more money in the business account. Um, and they weren't needs when you didn't have any money, but now all of a sudden you have money and you need to buy this new computer or this new printer or so again, that, that second opinion, not that, um, a business owner needs to ask you for permission, ask for your blessing almost on, 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 uh, bigger expenditures, you know, when, when cash flow is good, cause cash flow is not always good. And, um, I, I've seen the ups and the downs and when cash flow is good, it's great, but there are times that cash flow is, um, is not, not great. You know, speaking of cash flow. Like what can businesses do to improve their cash flow? Yeah, that's a great question. And it has essentially 80% of really what I do is looking at how they can improve their, their cash flow. So there are different ways, especially now. Um, a lot of businesses are impacted, some are not. But it's essentially really important to look at your current client base. You know, are they being impacted? And how can you maximize your existing client base? You want to identify your most profitable client, your most profitable project. Um, and I really do follow the 80-20 rule. I call it, personally, I call it the golden egg. And, and what it is, is focusing on those 20% of the client, the 20% of the, the project that will generate 80% of your result, 80% of your profit. And really identify what are those, like down to the point that how much is that? revenue based on that project and how much is the cost associated with that project how many hours are you working and to find out you know what is that but based on each project each client at every any time you should know your client database like you know i spent 100 hours on this client and i'm ending up making two dollars an hour versus you know, it, it, I, I get but it. But you could make always. millions of dollars off one type of client, but the profit is next to nothing. Or exactly. you can make a hundred thousand and have ninety five percent profit on a, on a different type of client. And I, I do think, and I've fallen into this in the past, is sometimes you just like helping everybody, and you might not be the profitable type of client that my office is just uniquely qualified to serve. So maybe I just, in that case, wouldn't shouldn't take you on as a client. And maybe I could have some other where I could refer you out if, if you're not an ideal fit. But um, I think we're all, every business is kind of uniquely qualified to serve some some niche, whether it's a personality type or a size or a type of a business. Don't you agree? I get it. And sometimes, like you say, and you got it. And we just want to help everyone. And I, I do too. And there were businesses that I initially helped that were not profitable. And I know it would be more difficult for them to pay the fees. But what we could do is figure out how could they, how could we still turn those clients into profitable clients? Now, if you enjoy working with them, certainly figure out a way what services they really need currently that you can offer that has higher margin, that they are using the service anyway. That, but that service has a higher margin. So that way now you can turn them into profitable clients. If you don't even enjoy working with them, like they're kind of jerks, then just exit them because you don't need that kind of stress if you're not making them profitable anyway. You know, and this is the part that you get to really follow your own intuition if they're good clients or not, in addition to the numbers and profit. Those are important, but also following your own intuition if those are the good clients for you. Well, and I like how you mentioned the word jerk. And 
I think all of our goals should be to where we don't have to work with the jerks, but if we do, they need to be very profitable jerks. So it's, it's compensating us enough. Yeah. I think we all have clients that when you see their, their, their phone number on caller ID, you're like, Oh no, please. I'm not in. So I, I think um, business is, is stressful enough. Um, and, and if we can all get to the point where we can pick and choose our clients and client types to some extent, I think that's a, um, that's a great, great thing. So like your normal average Joe that started a business because they like their trade, uh, maybe someone who, I don't know if you've read the, um, the E-Myth Revisited, it talks about the baker who liked baking cakes. So she started a cake baking business because she liked baking cakes. And a few years later, she had nothing to do with baking cakes. She was running a business and she was hiring people to bake cakes and marketing and, and trying to figure out cash flow and everything. You know, what are some other tips for that person who, who just, they like their trade. They got into that trade because they enjoy it and they're good at it, but now they're doing more business owner stuff and um, they don't really have the, 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 the profit management background. Yeah, so I, I would say the first thing is really looking for long-term. What are you trying to do with your business? What is the end goal? Are you trying to grow it enough to sell it? Or you know, are you trying to grow into a really big company? Of course, things would change, but knowing you know, what's the purpose and why are you doing that? You know, how are you improving um, the, basically the world or your client? How are you improving your client's life? And, and knowing all that and have a roadmap as to what's going on. And I, I truly believe in outsourcing, identifying some of the tasks that you like, don't like. And a lot of business owners, they're ending up getting burned out because they are working on the past. They, they have to take everything on themselves because they, they don't believe in having someone else to, to, to help them. And we are not good at everything. And we don't like to do everything. Well, and honestly, business owners are really normally only good at one or two things. And they're kind of <laughs> crappy at everything else, but they, they try to do it and then they don't do it well. And it costs later on. And I've guilty as charged for years and years for uh, me, myself. And figured out what you're really good at. What do you do so fast? You know, some of the tasks that I do, like I'm not a good tech stuff person. Like I outsource all my tech stuff because I, it's not worth it for me to figure it out. That's not my strength. My strength is to get people their numbers and get their performance, get people to a certain result. So I don't need to design my own website. I don't need to manage my own email campaigns, figure out what I like to do, what I'm good at, outsourcing other stuff and having a long-term goal, knowing exactly what you want to be five years from now, 10 years from now, so you're not so short-sighted. So, you know, because the first year can be a little bit tough, but you're not so short-sighted as to, you know, I need to change my business plan immediately uh -huh. where you want to go. Yeah. And I think it's a double-edged sword because the, the entrepreneurs of the world are very driven people. And like, I'm not that smart, but there's a lot of things I can kind of figure out how to do, even if it won't be perfect. So you kind of get stuck in that. Well, you know, I can read one chapter of some book and figure out how to maximize my own cash flow. And then I could, you know, watch some YouTube video on how to make a website and it won't turn out any good. And then I can, you know, in, instead of hiring an HR firm, I can just, you know, listen to another YouTube video on how to best hire and fire. And then pretty much you're doing everything other than revenue generating activities and, and you're going crazy. Absolutely. You do definitely have to focus on revenue driven activities and I mean in the beginning like we all do it in the beginning because you don't have as much resources when you're a startup and so we all take everything on but at some point you do have to figure out what you should be outsourcing and and but 
budget for it, right? And this is why right. it's so important to retain your profit because people, they, once they see money, they're like, no, I don't need, don't need to do any of that. I'm going to hire everyone, but without the budget for it. So that's right. why like long-term planning is so crucial. And in today's world, virtual assistants, I think, are, are a really good tool for for um, for a lot of activities. And there's there's virtual assistants that are very skilled. There are virtual assistants that uh, just kind of have administrative uh, skills and, and everything in between. And um, that beats sometimes hiring a 40 hour per week person that that you may or may not um, not be able to afford. So let's say that a business owner is listening to this and they're like, oh my God, this is perfect. You know, I'm working hard. You know, the business has revenue, but there's really never anything left over. And I'm stressed because payroll's coming. And then there's these quarterly tax returns and and I should be doing well. And, and let's say that they said, you know, this Cassie sounds like she knows what she's doing. Like, what would that relationship with you look like? Like if they contacted you, like what would happen next? So the first thing I typically do is to figure out what do, what are they trying to do? What are they trying to accomplish? Where do they, do they try to take their business? Now, do they have Zoom calls with you, phone calls? Do you visit in person? Like, how would that work? I prefer Zoom in person, like, you know, face-to-face Zoom, because I I just like to kind of get to know that person mm-hmm. that I'm with. And, you know, and I also provide some value as well. And the next step would be looking at their financials in the past two to three years, looking at, you know, what, what are their, their numbers look like? What are the trending? You know, what's the percentage of each of the expense category and understand their initiative. And this is why it's so important for me to understand their business. Where are they trying to go? What are their uh, priorities? What are their initiatives? So that way I can look at the expenses and say, based on this expense pattern, you're not going to get to where you're at or what you need to do is spend. And sometimes I find out they're spending money on the stuff that they're not supposed to be spending on. Um, and they are also taking on some client that are not profitable. The pricing structure is not right. So those are some of the stuff that I, I, I look deeper into about the expense structure, what other pricing look like, and if they should be where they are supposed to be. So does a client, once you get through the initial where you've gotten to know them, I mean, are you having monthly meetings with them, quarterly meetings, annually, weekly? You know, how how are you how are you managing that relationship and make sure that, that they're not getting off, off, off track? Cause that would be very easy to, to get off track like anything else. Yeah. So it depends on the client and depends on how complex <laughs> the financials are. But most of my clients, when they first start, I'll meet with them every week because they initially, they are very enthusiastic. You know, they want to learn everything about their financials. They want to take action, which is a good thing. And they also have a lot but of you can't, problems that have been created over years. You're not going to fix by next week, right? Exactly. Now I try to make them feel better even one at one meeting because knowing is really makes you comfortable. If people get uncomfortable because they don't know, right? They try to avoid it. You know, they, they you know, kind of like they hide all this thing and they don't want to look at it. But bringing it into the light, letting them know it's okay, is kind of make, make them feel a lot better already. But it does take time. You know, I can just turn on the switch and all of a sudden you become profitable. It does take time. Although one of my clients, when 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 they came to me, it was negative 7,000 net income. And now they are, they're trending over 70,000 um, well, 66,000 last time I met with them. But, you know, they are trending to be over 70,000 for one year. So I know it would happen. It, it could happen fast, but it's not going to be overnight. It does take time. But initially I do meet with them every week just to answer that question. 
And then once they are comfortable, then I'll transition them into meeting them every other week. So they can actually focus more on the activities that bring them revenue, time generation. Right. So you mentioned that you look at your clients and to kind of determine if their clients are profitable. So let's turn that around. What type of client, like describe what type of business can you help? Like how big do they need to be? How much revenue, how many employees, like, like who are the the clients that you are most uniquely qualified to serve? I love working for servicing type clients. Um, Like, you know, um, and a servicing type like home remodeling and cleaning companies, um, in interior design. So basic, basic, com- basically companies with contracts, servicing contracts would be the best because that allows me to really evaluate each of their contracts and see, you know, what how they look like. I work with coaches as well. I've worked with a lot of coaches uh, analyzing their clientele and their pricing package. Um, but I mostly work with uh, businesses that have been around for at least a year. So then I actually have data. to. And see, it's at that year point, though, that you kind of you get to the point where maybe you were doing everything yourself and now you've grown and now you've become a business owner as a, as opposed to because I think there's there's a difference between being self-employed, which means that you have a job and you're you're your own boss and then being a business owner to where you're running a business and you're a CEO of your own little company. So you mentioned one client that had a negative, I think, 7,000. Now they're trending towards over 70. What are some other like success stories that your clients have seen just by, again, hiring someone who's another set of eyes that has the expertise? I would say really having, um, having the ability to make decisions themselves. Most of the clients I have in the beginning, they were all like, they would call me for the smallest decision, like, hey, Cassie, do I have enough money to buy this equipment? Hey, Cassie, should I be spending this money to hire this person? But I really try to empower them by allowing them to make their own decisions on, and also avoid the 20 phone calls that I have a day. Right, <laughs> but yeah. I, I, and it's really simple, David. It's really simple. And I just ask them to ask themselves three questions every time they're trying to make a financial decision. Number one, do you need it? Number two, do you need it now? Is it something that you need now or like six months from now? And number three, are there alternatives that will cost less? And that, and, wow. yeah. and that no, I love time. that. Mm-hmm. Every time you're trying to make a decision, it's, you know, do you need it? And sometimes people think they need something and I'll ask deeper questions. Do you need it? Is it something in line with your values? Are you trying to feed your own need or your own ego? And so once they identify that and they, they will ask those questions and once they get used to it, it's very quickly. You don't have to use spreadsheets or anything because most people are afraid of numbers. But it's just asking those questions. Like, is it something that you really need? That really already saved them 50% of the purchases. Well, like I said, I come up with lots of needs when cash flow is good, stuff that I need to buy, new equipment. And if it wasn't a need the week before, before the money came in, it's probably not really a need right now. It's, hey, I'd like to, and I'm bored. And, um, you know, instead of uh, making an uncomfortable client phone call, I'm going to go buy something. So that, that never helps the um, cash flow. And I love the, are, are the alternatives, are there alternatives that could cost less um, as well? I think that's a, um, that's a great, great question. So I think those are some some questions that even if someone 
did not engage your services. I think on a personal level um, and on a, on a business level, I think those are three great questions for anybody to, um, to answer uh, and ask and answer for themselves. Um, and I also think that a little bit of accountability, maybe on personal finances with, with a spouse or even a friend or another family member to kind of ask those questions. Cause I think we all, we all make some crazy decisions when we're left to our own devices. Well, awesome. So if somebody wanted to contact you, what's the best way to get in contact with you? What's your website or, or any other methods? Cause this is really fascinating. And I could just, I know a lot, I just have a heart for the entrepreneurs because they work so hard and oftentimes just there's mindsets and just small, small mistakes that keeps entrepreneurs poor, honestly, and, 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 and just stressed. And, and then there's also the sleep at night factor. I mean, if you at least know that, you know, the amount of money coming in is coming in, then, you know, you can sleep at night, even if you're not getting rich, but just to know that you can afford what you're doing. So, so what's your contact information? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, David. Um, so I always hang out on Facebook. You know, you guys can easily message me, find me on Facebook. I also have a website, and that's www.numbersnerdconsulting.com. Um, but it's so much easier if you just send me a message on Facebook. I do have a free Facebook group. It's called Debt Free Family. You'll see me along with my family photo once you search for Debt Free Family. And I provide a lot of free workshop in my group. Um, you will be able to find based on, you know, if you click on unit, you will see cash flow workshop, uh, how to, you know, get your business to be profitable workshop. There's a lot of free workshop. And I also offer a free course called Personal Finance Mastery. And um, that course is, is absolutely free. And I created that course to help really help people to even the most basic background of our personal finance. That's great. My goal, I think two things happen with money. Number one, money magnifies everything. So if you're a jerk and you don't have money, you can tend to be more of a jerk, um, maybe by lying and stealing to get money. Um, if you're a nice person and you have money, you can give more money away and be more generous. So money kind of magnifies who we are. And then the other part of money is as a financial advisor, my goal is to kind of remove money as an obstacle to clients' lives. Because if you think about all the money problems you've ever had in your life, and if you think about how many of them were maybe self-caused, and then if you can take all those away, all of a sudden, that's a lot of problems that have been removed over the course of our lives. And I think many people in society just make some... And, and it's out of ignorance because we don't teach money in school. We teach Shakespeare. We teach when the dinosaurs were alive. We teach all kinds of stuff. And, but we don't teach what does a 30% interest rate mean? We don't teach, you know, basic uh, financial statements and, and some of the things that you're giving away for free, which I, I commend you and I love you for. So I think that's great. But I think, you know, money problems, if we could eliminate those, we're better people. You're a better mother when you're not stressed out about money. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's all it's really all comes down to, you know, peace of mind, you know, mm -hmm. when you know that you're going to be okay, it's a lot of unnecessary stress. And, and it's the unknown to people don't want to, they don't want to know. <laughs> they kind of just hide a money problem. But once it brings into the light, it's, it's such a huge weight off the shoulder. Well, this, I, I love this. Um, I love the fact that you're giving away free resources to help uh, individuals and business owners. One more time, give us the name of your Facebook group. That's Free Family. Um, if you search in Facebook, you'll be able to see me along with uh, my family photo. You'll see my two kids. Um, 
So, and, and they're always with me <laughs> when I do my courses. So they are experts in finance now too. <laughs> well, and that's one thing that we don't teach our kids a lot of is how to deal with money. And then they, you know, they end up with in, in a hole as well. So we, we need to teach our, uh, our kids money as well. So with that being said, we're going to call this an episode. So we would love for you to um, to check out Cassie's uh, Facebook group. And if it's something that you're interested in, you know, join her, look at some of her free courses. And if you'd really like to take a deep dive into your business finances, uh, you should uh, contact her as well. So what a great episode that was. If you are an overworked and overwhelmed entrepreneur, be great if you went to www.numbersnerdconsulting.com and see if it's something that you're interested in. And also for your family's personal finance and money management, uh, debt-free family is Cassie Ferrer's Facebook page. We wish you a blessed week and look forward to the next episode. The information contained herein, including but not limited to research, market valuations, calculations, estimates, and other material obtained from Parallel Financial and other sources are believed to be reliable. However, Parallel Financial does not warrant its accuracy or completedness. The materials are provided for informational purposes only. It should not be used or construed as an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security. Past performance is not indicative of future results.